What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John. And this week, we are back to analyze the UFC Whitaker versus Gaslam card going down tomorrow night, Saturday, April 17, 2021. This 11 fight card will take place from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada, which means it will take place in the small UFC cage. Just a quick recap of last week's card, the Vittori vs. Holland card. I did predict 9 out of 13 fights correctly on the podcast and profit about 0.4 units on my official Bet MMA Tips page. That's where I track all my official bets. You can find it on my Twitter profile in the YouTube description or you can just Google Bet MMA Tips Martian MMA to find my profile. This UFC card tomorrow is not the greatest card, but there's still a lot of fights this weekend. There's Bellator tonight, there's the Jake Paul fight tomorrow night, so there's a lot of fights to bet on this weekend, and there are some good betting spots. So I'm going to be talking about all 11 fights on the upcoming UFC card here shortly, and we're going to start things off with the first fight in the bantamweight division. We have Tony Gravely as the minus 335 favorite, taking on Anthony Burchak as the plus 275 underdog. I think this line is about right. Burchak looked pretty shot in his last fight. He got rocked by punches by Lopez, got taken down, and got submitted pretty quickly in that fight. And even in Burchak's fights before that, he struggled with getting taken down. He struggled getting stuck on bottom. And Burchak is kind of a round one finish or bust fighter. He has not won a fight that's gone longer than about 100 seconds in about five years. So Burchak really needs that round one finish or else he cannot win fights. And I think Gravely should be able to weather the early storm, avoid getting knocked out, and just take Burchak down. Gravely's a pretty good wrestler. He's got solid top control. He doesn't have the best defensive striking, but he can absorb some big shots. He got hit with some big punches versus Geraldo De Freitas and ate them and still kept coming forward. So I think he should be pretty solid here. I think he should be the justified minus 300, minus 400 favorite. And I think he just takes Burchak down over and over again. And the submission prop is worth a stab here as well. Gravely doesn't go for a high amount of submissions, but he's going to be wrestling. He's going to be the guy on top. And I think that we might see Burchak give up a submission like he did in his last fight. So Gravely's submission at plus 600 is worth a stab. And the only way I see Burchak winning is by knockout round one. And that prop is plus 1600. So I think Gravely money line combined with that Burchak KO1 is a good way to play this fight and I think the sub prop is worth a stab as well so I'm going to go with Gravely decision just to be safe I think he wrestles here to a comfortable win but the submission could happen as well so be wary of that and uh, Gravely is a pretty safe parlay piece I did actually track a bet on Gravely I have a parlay with Gravely and Cortez and I'll talk about Cortez a little bit later but Gravely decision is the pick here the next fight was supposed to be Farron versus Nunez. Would have been a hilarious striking matchup at 135 between two god-awful fighters, but I was actually really looking forward to that fight. I was picking Nunez there, but the fight got canceled because Farron missed weight by a massive margin, so sadly we're not going to be able to see that fight. So let's just move on to the next fight in the lightweight division. We have Austin Humbert, who is the minus 185 favorite, to Dakota Bush as the plus 160 underdog. Dakota Bush is coming in here on very short notice, and he does not look like a great fighter. There are only four fights of his available to find on the internet, and I really think that Bush has no real distance striking. He doesn't want to stay at distance and strike at all. He wants to charge at you, get into the clinch, and look to take the fight to the floor. In three of his fights, he was able to finish his opponents in round one. Some pretty low-level opponents did not have good defensive grappling, and Bush was able to take him down, submit him. He even got a knockout on one of them. Uh, but when Bush fought his only good opponent, Willis, he was not able to take him down. He failed getting back takes, and he was actually the one getting taken down and stuck on his back. And he got really dominated in rounds two and three of that fight. 
So Bush really proved that he is really all offensive grappling. He's not a great defensive grappler. He doesn't have much striking. And I think that Hubbard should be able to deal with that takedown and that back take. I mean, Hubbard does get taken down a lot. He does give up his back a lot. But he's fought way better grapplers than Bush in his UFC career and avoid getting submitted uh, like Ramos. Uh, Madsen was able to take him down but not really get good positions on him. Even Roscoff was able to take him down. But Hubbard survived. His defensive grappling is constantly getting better. And I think Bush is really rear naked choke in round one or bust. I don't think that he will have the cardio to go into the later rounds. And I think that if Hubbard is able to survive that early storm, I think there's a good chance we see Hubbard finish in rounds two or three here. He does come on strong. He can finish fights on the floor. And Hubbard is the much better striker here. So I actually like some props for this fight. I like the Hubbard round two, round three props. I think he could finish by sub or TKO, so I would just take the round props flat out because I do think there is a good chance that Hubbard pours it on, Bush slows down heavily coming in here on short notice, and we might see a late finish from Hubbard. So Hubbard round two, round three is the pick, and I think Hubbard will be a good live bet. I think Bush will come out strong. He might get an early takedown, but Hubbard's going to defend. He's not going to get submitted, and I think Hubbard could be a good live betting spot about halfway through round one. Uh, so the pick is Hubbard. Let's go with a round three TKO finish. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Bartos Fabinski as the minus 125 favorite, taking on Gerald Mearshart as the plus 105 underdog. Fabinski is a really predictable fighter. You know what you're getting from him. He's going to charge at you recklessly, wing some wild punches, try to push you against the fence and try to wrestle you. Fabinski is looking to take down all of his opponents and he doesn't really have that good of a top game. He doesn't land much ground and pound. He doesn't pass guard or go for submissions. And as we saw in his last fight, he's susceptible to getting submitted while he's on top. Andre Muniz was able to catch him in an armbar and submit him in round one. So I just don't think that Fabinski is that good of a fighter. He's a very one-dimensional fighter. He's a wrestler without much of a top game. So I wouldn't recommend betting on Fabinski here. If you want to take Fabinski, then just take him by decision. I just don't think there's any other way that Fabinski wins besides taking Mirshar down and laying on him for 15 minutes. And if this fight stays on the feet, we're going to see Mirshar be the much better striker. He's actually got some pretty underrated striking. The big question here is, can Mirshar's tough takedowns, can he escape bottom position if he gets put on bottom? And I think he will get taken down here. He does not have great takedown defense. He got taken down by... Trevin Giles by Holland once or twice and by Hermanson not that long ago. So I do think that he does get taken down here, but I think he has the game off of his back, the reversal game, the submission game to be able to give Fabinski some troubles, to maybe reverse position, to stand up from those takedowns. And I just think Mearshart makes it close. I don't think he's going to lay on his back for 15 minutes. I think Mearshart has the much better jiu-jitsu, so I think he's going to be using those sweeps and submissions of his to try to get off of his back. And I do think he does get off of his back, but... I kind of have the inevitable feeling that he's just going to get dragged back down to the mat and we're going to have a really boring fight where Fabinski just takes him down, GM3 gets up and Fabinski drags him back down again and Fabinski's going to win a close decision. I'll definitely be cheering for Mearshart here. He's one of my favorite fighters. I like him a lot, but I tend to probably give him the benefit of the doubt too much. I pick him in some fights where I shouldn't. And you know what? I'm going to do it again here. I'm going to pick GM3 by finish. I think the submission is probably the most likely way he finishes. 
But I'm picking GM3 because I think he has a better chance to win this fight emphatically. I think he's a much more likely fighter to get a finish. If you have access to the GM3 no scorecards prop at minus 210, it's a little chalky, but I think there's a great chance we either get our money back or we win the prop. Very, very low chance the GM3 gets finished. So I think the no scorecards prop is a good way to play this fight. And maybe look to live bet GM3. See how he does with the takedowns in the first round and look to live bet him. I think we actually could see GM3 hitting takedowns and being the one on top. Fabinski got taken down by Darren Stewart not that long ago. And Mearshard does have his own offensive takedowns as well. So I like Mearshard here. I think he's the much more skilled fighter. Fabinski's only way of winning is by decision, in my opinion. So if you like Fabinski, you want to bet him, just take him by decision. Uh, but I'm picking GM3 here. Uh, big fan of GM3. Might be wrong about this one. Might be stupid for trusting him again. But I'm going to be going with GM3 by submission. Let's go with the round three submission. The next fight takes place in the women's strawweight division. We have Lupita Godinez as the minus 265 favorite, taking on Jessica Penne as the plus 225 underdog. Godinez is the rightful favorite, but at this price, I would definitely recommend passing. There's no point in betting Godinez as this much of a favorite in her UFC debut. I think it's kind of short notice for her as well. Godinez does look like a promising boxer. She's got some really nice hands. She hurts her opponents with her punches. And she has shown ability to stuff takedowns, hit her own offensive takedowns. She did eventually get taken down in the later rounds of the Demopolis fight. And she did get stuck on her back for long periods of time. So there could be a concern over Godinez's bottom game. But Jessica Penny is not much of a wrestler. She's not hit many takedowns in her career. Penny is actually coming off of a pretty long layoff, has not fought in about four years, has not won a fight in about six years. Now, a few of those losses she does get an excuse for. Joanna get JJ, Jessica Andrade, some of the best female fighters, so I don't give her too much criticism for that. But she did lose a close striking fight to Danielle Taylor in her last fight. And Danielle Taylor was known for being a pretty low-volume, rudimentary boxer. And if she was losing a close fight to her, I just don't think she has much of a chance to beat Godinez here, considering that I do think Godinez is the much better boxer, has better boxing than Danielle Taylor by a long shot. So... Godina should probably just outstrike Penne here and win a decision. But like I've said before, Godinez is making her UFC debut. It's not like she's some incredible prospect. So there's no, no way I would recommend betting on her at minus 265. If you want to take a bit of a shot in the dark on Penne at this dog money, go ahead. Maybe Penne by decision. Um, but I think it's probably a pass fight for me. No bets I'm really interested in. And I'll pick Godinez by decision. The next fight takes place in the heavyweight division. We have Alexander Romanov as the minus 140 favorite, taking on Juan Espino as the plus 120 underdog. I think this line is very accurate where it's at, and this is just a tough fight to predict. I don't have an extremely confident pick on this one. I have a, a decent read on the fight, but in terms of a pure pick, I really think this one is up in the air, and a lot of different weird shit could happen during this fight. Romanov, I do think, is the rightful favorite because I think he's going to come out in round one and I think he's going to hit a takedown. I mean, the guy is such an explosive athlete. He's a good wrestler. He has a vast array of takedowns. And I just don't see Espino stuffing that early takedown attempt of Romanov. Now, once Romanov gets on top, I don't really trust his top game too much. He kind of goes for reckless submissions. He doesn't really control his opponents well. He does throw some good ground and pound, but I just don't trust his top control very much. I don't think he's going to keep Espino down for long. I think Espino is definitely going to work his way back up to the feet. But I do think Romanov is probably going to win round one at a pretty high clip. And it's just really a question of what happens in rounds two and three. Will Romanov gas out like he's kind of done in some of his fights? He hasn't completely gassed, but he definitely slows down as the fight goes. I mean, he's such an explosive fighter that it's natural that he's going to slow down. 
So the next question becomes, is Espino going to be able to stuff the takedowns in round two? Now, I do think Espino is the better overall grappler than Romanov. I think he's got the better jiu-jitsu. He's got the better positional awareness. But in terms of takedown defense, we haven't really seen Espino's wrestling test, and nobody's tried to take him down before. So I think there's a lot of questions up in the air in this fight. We don't really know how this fight's going to go. And I kind of lean towards the athleticism and the wrestling of Romanov to get those takedowns against Espino. Now, Espino might get back up to his feet. He might reverse. He might end up on top. But I think in the first minute or two of this fight, we're going to see Espino on his back. And that alone is enough for me to pass on him. Maybe look to live bet Espino. Maybe look to put some pre-fight bets on Espino round two, round three. Because Espino probably does have the better cardio. As I mentioned, he has the better jiu-jitsu and overall grappling. So we might see him out-grapple Romanov late once Romanov starts to slow down. And we might see a finish on Espino's end too. One more point about the striking in this fight. Both of these guys are not good strikers. I would say Romanov is probably the better striker. He has a pretty effective left kick that he throws at his opponents. And we haven't really seen much distance striking at all from Juan Espino. We did see him drop Maurice Green with some winging overhand punches. But outside of that, we haven't really seen Espino strike much. And I think there's more striking footage of Romanov. So I trust Romanov a little more on the feet. Romanov's also been a lot more active. He has more fights recently. He's got more wins. And I just trust Romanov a little bit more. I think he's more athletic. I think he's a better wrestler. And I trust him in round one a little bit more. So for me, I'm going to go with a Romanov decision pick. I don't think he's going to have the top game to finish Espino. But I think he's going to take him down in two out of three rounds and win those rounds with his top game. So the pick is going to be Romanov by decision. Not a confident pick. A lot of crazy shit could happen in this fight. And you might be better off just taking dog money and passing on this one. But I'm going to go with Romanov here. If you like Espino, I recommend a live bet or those round two, round three props for Espino. So this should be a really hilarious fight. I'm really looking forward to this one. The next fight takes place in the women's flyweight division. We have Tracy Cortez as the minus 305 favorite taking on Justine Kish as the plus 255 underdog. I should note that Tracy Cortez did miss weight for this fight. She was the last fighter to weigh in. She missed weight by half a pound, and she attempted to cut weight and come back and weigh in again, but she missed again by half a pound. So that does prove that Cortez had a pretty rough weight cut. She couldn't get a single half a pound off her body, and she's, uh, she forfeits 20% of her purse because of it. So that is definitely a bit of a concern here. But overall, the matchup is still really favorable for Tracy Cortez. Cortez is not much of a striker. I think the Kish probably is the better striker of the two, but Cortez is constantly looking to get fights in the clinch, push her opponents against the cage, take her opponents down, and she's very good from top position. She can control her opponents. She can take backs. Cortez's last fight against Edgar, she did take Edgar's back in all three rounds. She wasn't really attempting to get a rear naked choke, didn't look like she was too adamant in finishing, but she does take back, she does have good back control. And a big concern for Justine Kish in this fight is the Felice Herrig fight. She was taken down by Felice Herrig. She was dominated on the mat. She got her back taken in all three rounds. She was mounted, eating ground and pound. She got 10 aided in round three. So considering that Justin Kish got dominated in the grappling versus Felice Herrig, I think that the chances that Cortez replicates that are very high. I think that Cortez is going to hit takedowns, keep top position, and likely dominate from top position. It just becomes a question whether Cortez is going to win by decision or win by finish. And honestly, I think the chance of Cortez getting a submission or a ground and pound TKO finish is good enough to lay off of that decision prop. Early on in the week, I was considering betting Cortez by decision, but honestly, I think the chance of her getting a rear naked choke or her getting a ground and pound TKO are pretty good here. And 
Cortez takes the back. Kish gives up her back. I just don't feel comfortable betting the decision when I think there's going to be a lot of near finishes here. And if Cortez really attacks that submission, she gets aggressive on top. I think that she will submit Kish. Um, so Cortez submission at plus 550, I think, is worth a stab. But honestly, the best bet for this fight is Cortez money line. The best time to bet her has definitely passed. She was in the minus 200 range all week for months, actually. And now she's minus 300. So I would say it's probably a pass at this price, especially considering the weight cut. But I do have a parlay with Tony Gravely and Tracy Cortez. I got Cortez at minus 260, and I'm happy with that price. So the pick here is obviously going to be Cortez. I think she dominates with her grappling and her top control. And uh, I think there's a good chance of a submission, but I'll go with decision and be safe. Tracy Cortez by decision. But I'm going to end up passing on that Cortez decision prop. I think there will be enough back takes, enough near finishing spots to make that decision bet very sweaty. So I'm going to pass on that one. And uh, I'll be cheering for a Cortez submission. I think that'll be the more exciting outcome. And I'll probably have some small stabs on Cortez submission plus 550. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Luis Pena as the minus 150 favorite, taking on Alex Munoz as the plus 130 underdog. Pena is definitely the justified favorite here. I think he could honestly be maybe more of a favorite because I think he's got the better wins. He's the more experienced fighter. I think he's the better striker. And he probably has the better jujitsu of the two as well. The only advantage I give to Munoz here is wrestling, but he doesn't really have much of a top game to go along with his wrestling. He's mostly looking to control and hold opponents. He's not looking for ground and pound or submission much. So I think that if Payne gets taken down, he should be able to use his jiu-jitsu to get back up to his feet and get back to the striking where he should be the better striker. It's not like Munoz is a terrible striker, but I do give a distance striking advantage to Pena. And overall, Munoz is just a bit untested. He had his UFC debut against Nasrat Hackbrast. He got a takedown early in that fight, but... After that, he really had no success. He was kind of just content to lose a decision. He was constantly moving backwards. He ate some big punches. He showed that he's tough, but he didn't really go for it in that fight. He didn't have too much grit. And I think overall, that was a pretty bad sign for Munoz in that fight. A really good bet for this fight I like is the Pena no scorecards prop. If you have access to five dimes or bet online, I recommend betting that. Munoz has six wins in his MMA career. Three of them are quick finishes back from 2016 over really low-level opponents. But once he started facing better fighters, he has three wins, and they're all by decision. So he has not finished anybody in about five or six years. And Payne's only been finished one time. It's when he gassed out in his last fight against Kamaworthy. I don't think that happens again here. And I think it's pretty unlikely that Munoz finishes. If we see a finish in this fight, I think it's way more likely that it's Payne. So you're either going to get your money back or you're going to win this bet i think it's a pretty low risk bet and it's at even money so i like that bet a lot i have a bet tracked on pena no scorecards here i'm not super confident in pena to find the finish i really haven't been impressed with his finishing ability i mean he had a back take on steve garcia for 14 minutes and never got a rear naked choke so i don't necessarily think the bet's gonna hit but i think we're gonna get our money back so i like pena no scorecards here the pure pick is going to be pena decision I think that Munoz is not going to really go for it. He's going to be content to lose the decision, kind of like his last fight against Hackpress. And we see Pena, I'll strike him to a decision, probably be the better grappler on the floor with his superior jiu-jitsu as well. So Pena, decision is the pick here and not really expecting the good fight from this one. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Abdul Razak Al-Hassan as the minus 300 favorite, taking on Jacob Malkoon as the plus 250 underdog. Razak is moving up in weight here, 
And Razak's honestly a pretty bad fighter. He's looking to knock you out in round one. He swings wild punches, doesn't have too much technique or accuracy. And if he doesn't get that round one knockout, he kind of runs out of ideas. He starts to slow down. He can be taken down. He can be stuck on bottom. That's exactly what we saw in the Bernier Lezez fight. He tried to swarm Lezez early, but when Lezez had some defense, he was able to withstand that early storm. We actually saw Lezez outstriking Razak. We saw Lezez taking him down, keeping him on bottom. And then in Razak's most recent fight, he got knocked out in 30 seconds by Chaos Williams. So Razak's been struggling a lot lately. That's probably why we see him moving up in weight. And on the other side, we got Malkoon, who is a friend of Robert Whitaker, who definitely does not deserve to be in the UFC skill-wise. He kind of got into the UFC as a favor to Whitaker. His first UFC fight, he got knocked out in 20 seconds by Phil Hawes. And that's really why we're seeing Razak be this much of a favor here, because people are thinking if Phil Hawes was able to swarm Malkoon and knock him out, then Razak's probably going to do the same thing. But I don't know, man. Razak's a really bad fighter. I really don't think he has much technique behind his striking. He just wings punches. He definitely hits hard. But other than power punching, I don't think that Razak is good at anything at MMA. And I think there's a good chance that if Malkoon can survive that early round one storm, we might see Malkoon be the better fighter rounds two and three. In the decisions that Malkoon has gone to, he actually looked pretty good cardio-wise. He has shown some takedown ability. He has been able to lay on top of his opponents. So I think there's a good chance that Razak goes for that round one knockout. And if he doesn't get it, he's going to slow down. And we're going to see Malkoon take him down and outgrapple him in rounds two and three. I will admit that Malkoon looked really bad against Phil Hawes. I mean, he was easily pressured. It looked like he'd never been pressured before, never been put on the back foot. He was running into the cage. He had no composure, and he just got knocked out with some big punches right away. So in terms of a pure pick, I guess I'll go with Razak by round one knockout, but I hope it doesn't happen. I hope Malkoon survives that early round one storm and is the fresher fighter rounds two and three, and I hope he takes Razak down and exploits him on the map because Razak's a terrible fighter. He does not deserve to be minus 300 here, so it's definitely dog or pass. Would not recommend laying the chalk on Razak. If you want to bet Razak, just take the round one prop because if it gets out of round one, it's going to get real close and Razak probably loses. So I hope Malkoon is able to survive that early storm. Maybe look to live bet Malkoon here. Maybe some round two, round three props for Malkoon. Uh, but I will pick Razak round one knockout just to be safe. The next fight takes place in the heavyweight division. We have Andre Arlovski as the minus 115 favorite to Chase Sherman as the minus 105 underdog. This line is almost a pick em. Sherman was the underdog for most of the week, but Sherman's been a pretty popular underdog all week. The market's been coming in heavy on Sherman, and now we're seeing a near pick em. We know what to expect from Arlovsky. We've been seeing him do the same thing for a very long time now. He's going to come in with that medium tempo, boxing, leg kick type of style. And I think that Sherman's going to oblige that style. These guys are likely going to trade punches on the feet. And it should be a competitive kickboxing fight. Sherman wasn't so good in the UFC just a few years ago, but he got cut from the UFC. He won a few regional MMA fights. He won some bare knuckle fights. And I honestly do think he's looked better as a fighter. He's only had one fight in the UFC since he's come back, and it was a quick round one or two knockout over Ike Villanueva. Honestly, I thought his striking did look improved. He had a wide array of offense. He was throwing knees and elbows in the clinch, good punches, good leg kicks. And I think we might actually see Sherman improve a little bit in his striking. So I think he has all the offensive tools to compete on the feet here versus Arlovsky. I'm expecting a close decision. And I have a bet tracked in this fight. It's a half unit bet on Chase Sherman by decision at plus 500. 
As I mentioned earlier, I think it's a close competitive decision. So if one of the fighters is plus 500 to win by decision, I'm all over that. I really like that bet. It's still available at like plus 400 some places. I still think there's some value on that prop. Because this is heavyweight, durability is a big question here. And I do think that Sherman is the more durable fighter. He's the younger fighter, been in less wars, absorbed much less damage. But Arlovsky's chin is not as bad as it's made out to be. I mean, he has been knocked out several times in his career. He did get hurt by Aspinall a little bit in his last fight, but he's really not easy to knock out. Only a few guys have been able to do so. Rosenstrike and Gano in the past like 15 fights. So I think that Arlovsky's chin issues are a bit overblown. I think his chin should be fine here. And I really just expect these guys to be in a close competitive striking fight. I know I've seen it a lot of times, but I don't think there's anything else to expect from this fight. I'm going to go with Arlovsky by decision as my official pick. I think he's fought and beaten the better competition much more recently, like Linz, like Bosser. So I'll side with Arlovsky by decision as a pure pick goes, but I'll definitely be cheering for Sherman because I have that plus 500 bet on him by decision. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Jeremy Stevens as the minus 125 favorite, taking on Dracar Close as the plus 105 underdog. Stevens is moving back to the lightweight division. He has fought at featherweight for the past like seven or eight years, but I guess he's tired of the weight cut. He did miss weight in his last fight, so he's moving up to 155 here. This weight move should honestly be good for Stevens. Cutting less weight is always good for the chin, always good for the cardio, even though Stevens is always pretty good chin-wise, good cardio-wise. Uh, but the speed will be big for him here. I mean, I think he was really struggling with the speed of the guys down at 145. And now that he's at 155, he should be at guys uh, more in his athletic range. So this is probably a good move for Stevens, honestly. Even though he is very late into his career, likely far past his prime, he's still a tough fighter. He's still a very tough matchup. And I think this is a winnable fight for him. It should be another close striking fight, just like the last fight I was talking about. Neither of these guys are really known for their offensive takedowns. I guess close is the more likely guy to hit takedowns. But Stevens has solid takedown defense. And Stevens actually hit a few takedowns in his Yair Rodriguez fight. And Close, I think, is actually the worst defensive grappler of the two. So we might see some takedown attempts from the two. But I think the most likely outcome is these two stand on the feet and tree with one another. And I think it's going to be close competitive. I think this one's headed to a decision. I think Stevens is going to start faster. He's going to likely win round one. Close is kind of known for starting slow and getting into the fight as it goes. I think Close will come back to win round two. And round three will be a close competitive round. I sort of lean Jeremy Stevens to win the fight, but I have a bad feeling that the judges are going to give this one a close. I mean, it's going to be a split decision striking type of fight, so I really wouldn't recommend a confident bet on either guy here. I think this one is pretty 50-50. If I had to pick a side on who is the pre-fight money line side, I would say it's Jeremy Stevens because I do think he has the better chance to start round one faster and to win that round one. And... Close is likely a better live bet. Look how he's dealing with the pressure. Look how he's dealing with the leg kicks because Close does not check leg kicks. And that will be a big factor here. If Jeremy Stevens throws very hard leg kicks. So see how Close is doing after a round. Maybe look to live bet him. But in terms of a pure pickos, I'm going to go with Jeremy Stevens by decision. But I'm not confident enough to recommend a bet on this one. I would say Stevens is the pre-fight money line side, but not by some massive margin. I'm expecting a close competitive striking fight here. These guys are going to stand in front of each other, leg kick each other, and punch each other in the face. This is going to be a really fun fight. The next fight is the main event of the card in the middleweight division. We have Robert Whitaker as the minus 265 favorite, taking on Kelvin Gastelum as the plus 225 underdog. This line is pretty accurate. You can honestly argue that Whitaker should be a bit more of a favorite, maybe closer to minus 300. 
because I think he's the much better fighter than Kelvin Gastelum. I've always been pretty underwhelmed with Kelvin Gastelum. Most of his knockouts are over way past prime older fighters. He doesn't have a single knockout over an active UFC fighter. I will give Gastelum credit for his last fight against Ian Heinish. His wrestling looked pretty good there. Heinish had been a pretty hard guy to take down historically, but Kelvin Gastelum actually had the most success out of anybody in the UFC trying to take him down. So I will give him credit for that. His wrestling looked sharp there, but it's not going to work in this matchup because Robert Whitaker has some of the best takedown defense in MMA history. I mean, he stuffed all the takedowns from Yoel Romero. And his takedown defense has just been steadily improving throughout his career. And he really does have some of the best takedown defense ever. So I think it's highly unlikely that Kelvin Gastelum takes him down. So I think it's very likely that these two are just going to strike with one another. And to put it simply, I think that Whitaker is the better striker. I think he's got the higher output. I think he's got the more varied offense. I love the way he sets up his head kicks with his punches. And he has those sharp stab and go bleak kicks. And even in pure boxing, I think that Whitaker is the better boxer of the two. I think a lot of Kelvin Gastelum's career and his boxing has been overrated by knocking out those those older fighters. So once you kind of cancel out the fact that he's knocked out Tim Kennedy and Michael Bisping and Vitor Belfort, his career becomes a lot more underwhelming. When Gastelum has faced other good strikers at 185, like Israel Adesanya, like Darren Till, we saw his volume be very low. He's kind of relying on those big power punches. He did rock Israel Adesanya a few times in their fight, but that fight was 25 minutes long, and Adesanya won like 20 of those minutes. So a lot of that fight and that performance for Gastelum gets overrated because Gastelum had two brief moments of success. And when you look at Gastelum's fight against Darren Till, I mean, that was one of the most boring fights in UFC history. They were both content to have extremely low volume. They both showed no aggression. They had extremely low output, and that was just a terrible decision. I don't know how one judge gave that fight 30-27 to Gastelum. Who knows? Who knows how to score that fight because it was too boring to actually watch. Now getting back to Whitaker, the only two fighters that Whitaker has struggled with in the past six or seven years are Yoel Romero, who he did eventually defeat by decision in both of their fights, and then Israel Adesanya, the middleweight champ who's one of the best strikers in MMA history. After Whitaker lost badly to Adesanya, he did recover very well in his past two fights. He beat Darren Till in a five-round decision striking fight. I think Till is actually a trickier striker and a more skilled fighter than Gaslam as well. And then in Whitaker's last fight against Cannoneer, he emphatically beat Cannoneer, outstruck him bad, hurt him a few times, broke his arm with those body kicks. I mean, he really proved that he's still an elite striker and elite fighter in that fight. And I'm willing to trust Robert Whitaker to do the same here, to outstrike Kelvin Gaston, to stuff any possible takedown attempts, and to be the better striker, have the higher output, to land the more damaging blows. And I think we might even see a late finish from Whitaker here. I mean, he is a really damaging fighter with the way he stomps your legs, he kicks your arms, he hits you with the punches. I think we could see an accumulation damage TKO from Whitaker here. Maybe rounds four or five, he finishes Gastelum. It really depends on how many risks Gastelum takes because if he's content to lose a decision and to not really take many risks like Darren Till did, then Whitaker might match that volume and be content to go to decision as well. But if Gastelum's coming forward, he's aggressive trying to win the fight, then we might see Whitaker land those damaging counter shots and to really accumulate that damage and get that late finish. So I guess as a pure pickos, I'll go with Whitaker by decision. I think he wins this one about 49-46. Should be a pretty clear decision for him. And at minus 265, there is likely value on him. I wouldn't really recommend going out and straight betting him. Uh, maybe throw him in a parlay. I think he's pretty safe. I would cap him closer to 75% here. So Whitaker should be a pretty safe pick in this one. And I'm picking him to win by decision. 
So that is going to do it for this episode of the Martian MMA Podcast. I analyzed and predicted all 11 fights on tomorrow night's UFC card. I think this card starts a little bit later, so make sure you check out the time zones, the start times to this one, and make sure you don't miss any fights. Hope you all enjoy the fights this weekend. Hope you all win some bets, and I will see you next week before UFC 261. Peace.